This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Oh, here we go, boys. that sound. This is a good one. Welcome everybody to the Full Scale Outdoors podcast. I am Dale Lugamil. Thank you very much for joining me. Welcome to this week's weekend recap and rant. Uh, so when this weekend planning to do some waterfall hunting, that's nothing to, uh, out of the ordinary for me tis the season here in minnesota and uh oh that was a very minnesota very minnesota minnesota um so yeah and we had an influx of new divers come through that calendar migration definitely brought some uh, ringers in uh, redheads i think i even seen a few people shoot some canvas backs so we definitely did get an influx of, of fresh ducks so that was fun. Uh, some pintails around and mallards. Still some teal around for all you naysayers. The early teal season ruins everything. From as a side note, um, I would be interested in everybody else's anecdotal reports. Uh, what were what have you been seeing? For me, this season seems like every other season ever. So uh, I'm sticking to my guns in that the uh, early teal season had little to no effect on the regular waterfall season. For one, I just don't know how it could. H- how is shooting ducks in early September going to affect the ducks you shoot in October when those same ducks aren't even the same ones you're shooting at? That doesn't even really pan out logically, but I digress. So that was the plan. In fact, I just got off the, the phone with people making plans, and then... Uh, the phone rings and it's my buddy Jason Cushlin who's been on the podcast before and he's like hey what are you doing tomorrow I'm like well I was was planning on uh 
doing some bird hunting. What, what's uh, what's up? He's like, well, I need to uh, go on a fish a tournament tomorrow. I'm like, I'm listening. And uh, so he fills me in, tells me where. Pretty close to the house. So I'm like, um, yeah, yeah, I could do that. I'm in. So, and it sounded like uh, a lot of my other buddies were hunting or uh, working anyway. So whatever hunt I was going to do was going to be a small or solo kind of endeavor. Um, so I'm like, um, yeah, I'll do that. I'm in. And so uh, I met meet him out on the lake, and it's it's chilly. <laughs> it was chilly next morning because one of the I think it was the coldest night we've had yet this year. In fact, it had frost on my windshield, so it was it was in the 30s, low 30s for sure. And so I was bundled up pretty good. I had brought my uh, Kenders Hole Hopper hoodie that I got from Minnesota Made, um, and also a Minnesota Made like little face mask wrap around. And uh, yeah, between that relevant shades it's not like a commercial right now it's i was pretty pretty bundled up um but you had to be because it was cold and jason's boat is fast so, <laughs> so uh although thankfully our first spot wasn't uh, too far away and we drew pretty crappy uh, first of all he had me reach into the hat to pick boating numbers i'm like um you don't want to do that <laughs> i do not i am not the lucky guy and uh, proved it by pulling out number 21. So that's fun. Um, so, but we're like, well, we'll get to see where everybody else goes. And the spot that he wanted to fish first was not too too far away. So, in fact, it was, I mean, it was pretty close. So everybody takes off, start turn. Um, we're on pad for like, I don't know, 30 seconds. <laughs> and get back off pad and start fishing. On my, uh, and it was so some rocks, a little point, underwater point kind of dumps off deeper. There's a little, like, scattered rocks. I wouldn't call it a reef, but you can see it on the the Hummingbird 360. You could see the, the rocks all over. And uh, so pretty scattered. And he was throwing a crankbait, which pretty smart, good way to cover water. I was going to throw a jig, which I did, and uh, just give him a couple different options to see uh, see what might work. Well, my second cast, I uh, set the hook, and it's a decent fish. And we get it, we get it in the boat, and uh, I, I knew it looked like it was a good fish, good starter fish. And uh, so, put on the scales, four pounds, I'm like sweet. All right, that's uh, that was bigger than I thought it was. So that's nice, a little over three pounds or four pounds. Throw that bad boy into the the live well. I'm like that's that's a good way to to start it a little bit later i set the hook on another one a little bit smaller about two and a half pounds i suppose and so now we get two and uh then that spot kind of dried up couldn't really get anything going we kind of we moved it we from that spot we moved in towards shore and it gets kind of weedy and then we worked that um we're kind of headed to another little tiny kind of rocky rock spot and then kind of in between right on the weed line um Jason then hooks up and he catches a fish. I missed one on a topwater bait. I don't still don't know how I missed it. Like it was one of those like you see him hit it, you wait, you feel him, you set the hook, actually feel weight, and then just pops out. Like how, all those hooks. And let me tell you, when I have that 
stupid lure tied down to my rod into my rod box. It hooks everything it can possibly hook. So how a fish can possibly hit it and not get stuck is beyond me. But he threw back in there about where I missed that fish and then caught another one. So chances are he probably caught the fish that I missed. So we got four in the box already. So and uh, one of those, it was a legal fish, but not, uh, you know, we definitely don't want. We're like, don't want to weigh that one. Excuse me. And um, so we, we and we also both agreed. We're like, it's kind of a big, big fish time. It's fall. Um, he had done some pre-fishing um, about a week prior. Uh, not quite a full week prior. A Tuesday, I guess. And uh, had found some decent fish. Um, but just like one here, one there. Of course, he wasn't trying to sore lip anything. He was like, okay, yep, there's some quality fish here. Move to the next spot and catch one. Yep, there's quality fish here. Go to the next spot. Kind of a thing. So um, weren't really sure how they were schooled up or anything like that. But with the quality fish that he was catching pre-fishing, we're like, this is going to take, we're going to need a healthy bag. And uh, we both kind of agreed that it was probably going to take 20 pounds. That's we In our brains, we're like, ah, this, someone's, someone's getting a 20-pound bag. It's going to be. 20 pounds is what's going to take it. Um, so we're looking for them donkeys, you know. So we uh, go back out to that rock pile a little bit and fish it to uh, to no avail and then uh, make a decision to move. So we head off from there to another rock spot that he had found and fish that spot. Didn't take long. And uh, he caught a fish there. I think I caught a fish there. Got another little one, and then one slight upgrade. So we were able to get one of the real small ones out and swapped it out for another two-and-a-half-er. And, a and uh, then no more in that spot. It moved in to the weed line. It kind of was a repeat of what had happened on the first spot. Uh, moved in the inside weed line. It's throwing a swim jig around, and uh, he hooks up, catches another fish, and uh, it's another decent upgrade, and we try some and then can't repeat that and on that spot. So we bail and go check out some other spots to no avail. And, you know, we fished. We had the, the bag we ended up weighing in. We had by 9.40 in the morning, and we didn't upgrade the rest of the day. Not only did we not upgrade the rest of the day, we hardly caught any fish the rest of the day. Like, it went pretty good. And it's not like the fish were on fire in the morning, but we're at least finding some. You know, we would make a move, we'd would pick up a couple and then we kept you know running those spots again and i don't think i don't think i know like we never caught a fish on a, a, a spot again where we had caught a fish earlier it no repeats they didn't spots didn't recharge or whatever like it was crazy and then the the wind kind of kicked up and it was cold and you know it was a pretty good cold front i guess but in my mind, it seems like in the fall, as the temperatures drop, like that really kicks them in to, to feed even heavier. Um, but maybe it was just too too much cold too fast. It was about 10 degrees. Like water temps, he said, dropped 10 degrees from when he fished it Tuesday and when we fished it Saturday. So that's a pretty big drop. Clearly, it had some sort of effect on the fish because um, it really kind of sh- shut them off. I mean, the re- when that wind picked up, you thought, sunny and the wind was going and stirring stuff up it had been blowing kind of out of the same direction for a few days you figured you know i don't know i i would have lost the bet i would have thought the fish fishing would have been uh a little better and um 
we knew we had a, a decent bag, but we wouldn't like it wasn't twenty pounds. So we're like, we're just running around trying to find some more heavies. You know, we're just like, it's gonna take a big bag to win this stupid thing. And so we we kept going. Uh, we had one. We we checked a string of docks, which those are getting fewer and far between because people, for obvious reasons, people are pulling their docks out of the lakes, so there wasn't that many docks to hit. Um, but we checked a couple different uh, strings of docks, and on one he had a, a bass chase his jig out, and then he kind of pitched back on it, it turned on it, and then it kind of started swimming away. I went for my Senko. I was trying to get that to follow up on it, and then one of us moved. He saw one of us move, and it just he sprinted off. And that was a decent fish. Probably would have been an upgrade. He looked to be three plus for sure. Maybe another four. I'm not. It's hard to say. Um, but it was a decent fish, and then kind of let that dock rest, fished a few more, went back to it. Nothing, couldn't couldn't get it to go. Um, kind of ran some spots, ran some old spots, nothing, nothing, nothing. Like, it just got tough the rest of the day. And, uh, you know, that brought us to two way and headed back to scales, and it's like, well, we'll see what's going on. And as normal, you know, you, you run in and you start talking to people, well, how was it? And people are like, oof, man, it was tough, and. I got five, but not the five I want. And it's like, all right. Well, I started feeling better about our bag when fishing got really tough in the afternoon. I'm like, man, if we're struggling this hard, I can only hope other people are struggling. I assume other people are struggling too. Like, it's we're not even catching, like, little fish. You think you'd find, stumble on a, a small school somewhere and, you you know, pick up a half a dozen, you know, pound and a halfers or something. Mm-mm. Couldn't even get those things to bite. It was It was wild. Um, so I was like, well, we got a pretty good bag early and weren't really able to upgrade much past 10 o'clock in the morning, but seeing as how tough it was, I I think we're looking pretty good. I don't know if we're going to win it. I feel like someone has 20 pounds out there and, uh, we're thinking we had 18, somewhere between 18 and 19 and, uh, which is a pretty good bag by any, by any measure, um, but just in the back of our minds, we thought someone was going to have, you know, five giants. And as people kept weighing in, what was going up on the board was not not very much. I mean, there was a few teams that didn't weigh anything in. There was some that weighed four. The ones that had five, they're, they're small. Like, we're looking at weights from 10 to 12 pounds, something like that. And so Jason weighs me over, like, hey, let's load up these fish. And at this point, I was watching the leaderboard and the weigh-ins, and he was talking to somebody over by his boat. And so I, I walk over there, and he's like, well, how is it? <laughs> I just say, at this point, almost all the teams had weighed in. I think there was a couple more teams besides us. But the this common sentiment was that it was really tough and people didn't find the good fish. And uh, so I, as I'm walking up, I'm like – and I, Normally, I'm probably a little more politic than this, but it just kind of spilled out of my mouth. He's like, well, how's it looking like? I go, dude, it's going to be a bloodbath, or it's a bloodbath, or something along those lines, (laughs) because we had, you know, 18-some pounds, like, crushing it. And so we load up our fish and bring them to scale, put the big fish on, and it was 4.03, something like that. And uh, so that took big fish for the day. And then, uh, yeah, we had 18, I'd have to look at you when it was, but a little over 18 pounds. And so, yeah, we took 
took the W. And, I mean, somebody else mentioned, like, they're like, geez, Louise, you didn't even need your big fish to beat second place. I was like, oh, yeah, I beat second place by five pounds. It's like, holy crap. <laughs> so, as my usual, thinking what we have isn't good enough, you know, it's just, I don't know, that's just how my brain goes. And I, and I guess I need to just accept it, and it's fine, because it keeps me focused and keeps me fishing harder. Um but it, it for sure was a team effort. Jason caught more fish than I did for sure. You know, I think I caught those two right away in the morning, and then I think I only caught one more short fish. Or it wasn't short, but it wouldn't have helped. That might have been all I caught that day was a three. And so I think my, my one even got um, culled. But with that being said, without that four-pounder, four it would have been a different different day. Um, although now if I do the math, Jason probably would have still won with his, cause we had, it, we had, what we had going for us is a better average. We had like, you know, everything we weighed in was like three pounds, right around three pounds or better. So, um, that helps. And then you had that four pounder and that's what got us in that 18 pound mark. So worked good. Pre-fishing definitely paid off. We had the, the two, pretty much all our fish came off those two spots and, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun, and that, that just like that got me into fishing mode again. I just oh, I just want to go fishing. <laughs> and season is definitely winding down. In fact, they uh, they had a conversation right there at Way, and like, well, should we do this again? Or are we putting the boats away? And a few people were like, oh, it depends on where. I might I might fish another one, and then uh, just wasn't enough interest. And so like, yeah, okay, this is the last one of the year. We'll see you guys next year. So that was kind of fun. So I'm gonna have to look those guys up and. Uh, I already forgot what their name is, but sorry about that. Uh, but I'll have to keep an eye on that that circuit for next summer. I'd like to fish some more tournaments. So from there, uh, basically by the time I was going to have haul, by the time I got home, I wasn't going to have a ton of time to do much of anything. So I decided to hop in the old deer hunting clothes and and uh, head out back just on the property there and see if I can't punch that tag. Cause I'm I'm running out, for me. I'm running out of time. Um, especially on my property because my property just does, it goes to shit after firearm season. And I know people are like, Oh, we got two weeks of pre-rut. Yeah. Well, here's what I got going on. Um, this is my last weekend. Um, the weekend coming up, I'll have a, a very different recap for everybody. Uh, it will involve salt water. So I'm going to see my brother in South Carolina so we're going to do some fishing out there, hopefully catch some sharks. Sounds like they're still around. Sounds like their water temps haven't dropped too much. So there's still bait, still sharks around. Plus the fall uh, run of the, the bull reds, the running of the bulls, that should be going on or just getting fired up. I have seen some reports of people getting getting bulls out there. So hopefully we can get some nice big reds. That would also be fun. So that's next weekend. Then the following weekend Mark this on your calendar, everybody. We'll get ready for the ice fishing season. We have the uh, virtual, the annual virtual ice fishing show, SmackDown Outdoors podcast with Doug Glimmerveen. And uh, co-hosting is myself and then Patrick Patches Olson from the Lone Angler podcast. Um, if, if you were part of it last year, it was wildly successful. It's tons of fun. Um, it's pretty cool because it's like going to the ice show, um, but instead of you having to go to every single booth, the booths come to you. And it's very intimate. You can ask questions. Um, so we'll have, we're going to be at Thorn Brothers 
Um, not sure if it's going to be like, you know, like open to the public, the broadcast. We're still trying to figure those details out. Um, but anyway, it's, it's going to be at the building, at Thorn Brothers. A um, lot of the same players from last year, um, sponsors and stuff like that. So um, definitely we'll, we'll be broadcasting for three days again, all day. So uh, get your questions ready. You can ask us anything. Um, yeah, so it's going to be it's going to be pretty cool. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, get the wallets out because last year it got expensive. Um, it's, it's just, it's cool. And without the other shows, you know, last year because of COVID, it was just, you know, people had their, their dollars ready to spend and, uh, it was, it was really good. So this year we want to do it a little bit earlier, give people, because there is going to be an actual physical ice show. So we're kind of trying to get, get everybody excited before the ice show actually, uh, actually happens so very much looking forward to this virtual ice show but that's the last weekend of the month which i mean you know bring your earbuds out into the stand and listen to it while you're on the stand because i'm a little i'm gonna be honest i'm a little irritated i'm a little irritated it's that weekend i mean you gotta pick your poison what are you gonna do it do a deer opener i mean you gotta you gotta do it sometime and that's the weekend it fell on but that's that weekend that halloween weekend that's like Big buck activity time, big time. That's that's pre rut. They're moving. It's like your best chance of getting a deer. So, anyways, and then the following weekend is uh, pretty much the firearm opener, and uh, I'm planning on heading out to um, North Dakota to chase some waterfall out there. So, this is pretty much my last weekend to get a deer. So anyways, I went out on my property and uh, jumped a deer right next to my stand. So that's always super cool. Um, like, that sucks. Maybe they'll come back around or who knows. And I sat there, didn't see much. I had a fox come out, tried to tried to mouth, mouth squeak him into range to slip an arrow through that damn thing. So I'm pretty sure it's the fox that took out all my chickens this summer. Um, but I didn't. And then saw one little tiny buck deep in the trees, no shot. And that was that was my Saturday night. So Sunday we had uh, this plan to hunt down south, um, down by Belle Plaine or somewhere somewhere down there, Jordan area ish. Um, getting, let's get up super early. I had to meet at um, meet at Joel's at what did he say? Four o'clock, I think. Yeah, four a.m. So I was like, oh, crap. That's a little bit driving to Joel's. I'm going to have to set my alarm for 3 a.m. So, ooh, it's going to be an early morning. So set my alarm. I should say edited my alarm. But there's uh, so the app that I use for my alarm and it tracks my sleep and stuff like that. Um, you hit edit. You change the, the time. Now, I should know this. I've done this a million times. But I don't know if I was tired the night before or what. But it didn't actually hit the toggle to turn the alarm on. So needless to say, when I finally did wake up, I had some missed calls. I had some uh, missed messages like, where are you at? What's going on? Are you awake? And uh, clearly I was not awake. And so I text him like, yeah, I'm not going to make it. (laughs) I was like, well, guess I'll uh, go just deer. And now I don't really have time to do anything crazy adventurous um, hour before sun comes up. So I was like, well, Screw it. I got, I'll just go out in the stand again. So went out in the stand. 
and uh, didn't didn't see anything. Uh, so that was that was that. <laughs> uh, oh, right at dark, I think I saw that fox again, and that was it. Um, but yeah, didn't see didn't see any deer. Um, so went back in to the house and uh, started getting some stuff ready. And so I'm like, all right, well, I'm gonna do a hanging hunt this afternoon and in the evening. And so I'd, I'd picked up earlier. So before I was talking about, I had, I needed to get one of those like padded straps and I was online asking questions. Um, like what's a good way to pack in your stand and sticks and all your other hunting gear. And I'd been looking at some YouTubes and stuff like that. And I found this, um, piece of equipment. I don't have the name of it on me. Um, but it was, it's just a, it's a padded pack and it's got these little, uh, clips. You attach it to your, your stand and padded shoulders. It's got a, a waist support that clicks and then it comes together in the chest. So I, I'm messing with that, you know, early afternoon, getting that stuff all ready as I'm listening to the Vikes game. And uh, got it all on there. I slapped it up on my on my back and I was like, oh, yeah, 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 this will work. This is nice. Like, this is super comfortable. Took You know, the way it spread the weight out, I'm like, this is so much better than just using the ratchet straps that dig into your shoulders and always want to slip off your shoulder. And, yeah, this is way better. Money well spent. It wasn't that expensive, but it's like, ugh, money well, well, well spent. And uh, so that was cool. I also picked up a safety harness. You're welcome, Doug. Doug was shaming me last time I was on his, his show. Cause, and, and I know I probably should have. But I'll say this. Anybody out there that's been um, kind of stubborn like myself, if you haven't got your, your safety harness yet, I'm not going to shame you into getting it. That's your that's your own risk-reward thing you got to figure out for yourself. What I will say and why I really enjoy it you do get a little peace of mind when you're up there. You're like, if you do not off or, you know, you do something, it, there is a little bit of faith it takes, you know, you gotta, you got that stand set up, right. You know, it shouldn't fall, but it does happen every year. Someone's stand fails or the rope slips or a strap breaks or something. It, it does happen. So I'm not going to say that when I'm in the stand, that's not kind of chewing in the back of my mind a little bit. And once I had the harness on, like I was like, Oh, so it was a little bit more peaceful. Like, it didn't have that little nagging risk. And I was on a big risk. I mean, obviously don't really pay too much attention to it. But uh, with that said, it's like what little was there, totally gone. Like, now I know that I'm safe. So take that with a grain of salt. But what I really liked about it is definitely get one that has the loops on it for the lineman's belt. Because before I was always doing that, you know, wrap a leg around the tree and your one iron, you're trying to hang you know, your sticks, and you're trying to hang your stand with one arm, and it's just, it's a nightmare. Now, that is super unsafe. <laughs> Almost every time I've done it, which has been a lot over multiple years, uh, I'm like, oh, this could go horribly wrong. Um, thankfully, it never did. But, dude, that Lyman's rope thing, that's the shit. Like, that, being able to use both hands, lean back, and just, like, that made, that is why you should go get a harness. For no other reason than just that. And then you get the added bonus of the safety factor. So uh, if, if you've been reluctant like I am, and I didn't go out and get like a, this is no knock on Hunter Safety Systems or anything. They look like they have an amazing product. I just didn't want to spend that much. Of course, now that I have one, maybe I will spend one on a little more comfortable and, and better quality product. But 
Uh, I don't remember. I think I got a Muddy, Muddy Pro or something like that. And uh, it works great. I I really, really enjoyed it. So definitely go get one of those. So if you're a holdout like me, just don't and go get it. So getting all that packed up. And then so I drive to the spot that I had been. Oh, this was also irritating. Um, so I, I punch it up on my Google Maps to get this spot. I've been eyeballing this spot, just pouring over like satellite images and finding these, you know, like these public hunting areas, you know, kind of like the hunting public or Dan, um, how he does, Infault does it, where you find these islands out in the swamp and that kind of thing. And you're looking at the trails and found a spot that I think looks pretty good. And uh, I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to go into that spot tonight. So I punch it into my GPS and for some, I hit directions and I don't know how this happens. It's happened multiple times, but as I'm driving, I'm like, boy, this, I don't, didn't feel like this was that far away. Cause it was actually pretty close to my house. I was like, I feel like I'm driving way too far. And so I look it up on the map again. I'm like, where it's telling me to go. I'm like, this isn't it. Like, why, why would it have sent me here? Uh, it's probably use air. I probably hit the wrong button or God knows, or, or tap the screen, set a new pin. And I don't know. Anyways, I'm like, oh my God, and I'm burning up afternoon daylight hours and listen to the Vikings try to lose again. And, um, so I find it on the map, repunch it in. Of course. Yeah. It's a few miles back the other way, which are where I thought it was. I'm like, what in the hell? So anyways, I finally get there, I go down there, Please to see nobody else in the parking lot. That's always a plus when you're at a, a public hunting spot. So I'm like, all right, that's pretty cool. So I'm getting everything set up, making sure I got everything in my bag. And I hadn't yet attached my backpack to my stand, which is attached to those straps, the carrying straps. So I'm doing all that and then make sure I got change of, you know, warmer clothes in there because it's supposed to cool off in the, in the night and, I'm like, all right, I gotta listen to the last few minutes of this stupid Vikings game before I get going, because we got it's coming down to a kick again. So I'm like, all right, I pretty much know how this is gonna go, but we'll see. Sure enough, misses it. So now we're going to overtime. I'm like, okay, well I'm not sitting out here listening for overtime. I I got I got a hike ahead of me, and I don't know how bad it's gonna be through a swamp or anything like that. So I'll put the phone away, put the phone in my pocket, grab, put the my gear, put it up on my back, and uh got my phone in my hand I take off walk down this path and uh get where I'm like okay there's now it's a straight line to my oak island out there I can't really I can see it kind of through this other because there's a smaller island and then a big longer one and I kind of want to go to that big longer one because on the southwest no southeast tip of it super heavy trail via um satellite imaging and then there's a smaller oak island i'm like that looks like a good betting spot so if i sit up here and the wind we had was like perfect so one of the best tips i've ever had is the milkweed if you're not using the milkweed as like a windicator dude get some because it, it that stuff is so light and it the lightest breeze it'll just carry and it was so awesome so i thought we had like a west southwest wind and we did but the way the currents were working in that swamp or whatever it's like it wasn't just a linear west-southwest. I'd throw that stuff up because I was kind of concerned that the way I had to walk to get to this island, that my scent would be blowing to it. And from what I understand, you know, if you can kind of get it so it's like slipping in front of it but not actually getting to it, that gives, you know, the bucks think they can smell something coming from that direction, but they can't really. Kind of false sense security thing in theory. Anyways, I'm I'm new to all this, so I'm trying to, 
I'm trying to get my head wrapped around it, but it, it kind of sort of is making sense to me. But as I'm putting the milkweed fluff in the air, like it's going 25 degrees further south than I think it would have. I was like, oh, that's it's going nowhere near that island. Like this is awesome. And so I just I would keep checking it from time as I got closer and closer. And the walk really wasn't that bad. I got in some heavy cattails, but I think because it's so dry this year, normally what would be like super swampy and mucky and soft just wasn't. Um, then I got into some of that super tall, I don't even know what it's called, but it's super stocky. Um, it's not bamboo, but kind of bamboo. I mean, super tall, like way tall. I'm 6'4", and it's way taller than me. This shit's like 10 feet tall. Um, it's like big giant grass, and uh, the stalks are like the size of a, you know, thick as a pencil kind of a thing. They're very brittle, and almost I was crashing through there. It almost sounded like, um, I don't know, it was almost like, ice breaking like real thin ice it was it was a lot of shit but anyway there's no getting quiet through there it just wasn't happening but anyways and i couldn't check my wind in there because i couldn't reach above the 10 feet tall weeds and anyways as as i could i kept checking my my wind windage and it was for whatever reason drifting off to that southeast instead of blowing more northeast into where it was which was great i get up to my island and uh I'm checking it again, and everything's looking good. And then when I get up into the island where I'm looking at the trees, and it looks beautiful in there. It's not overgrown. It's like nice, you know, wide open spaces. I I got a nice open area under the canopy where I can shoot, where I can see if a deer's coming from that other island. Um, my longest shots have been like 25 yards. The heavy used trail right there, like chip shot, like 10, 15 yards from where I'm going to put the stand. Everything looks great. I throw up the milkweed, and now it actually is traveling more to the northeast, but also good, still not going to that other island. So somehow I managed to, like, my scent was not getting to that island. So if a big buck or any buck or a deer or doe or whatever, I was pretty much getting ready to shoot anything at this this weekend, seeing as how was my last bow hunting weekend for me, I want to get before it gets super cold, and I just don't really do much hunting once it gets super cold post firearm season uh so it was able to sneak in there and everything was going awesome couldn't be happier proud of myself of actually doing it and i had i set the track on my onyx so i knew how to get back out in the dark it was about 0.6 miles in there so not too bad so i start putting i got all my shit on i start putting my my climbing sticks on i get that fourth climbing stick on i'm like all right i get my rope out and i lower my rope down to my stand and you know lift that up and then what's that up then i'll lift it then i'll drop it back down i'll hook up my bow and then wait a minute i never brought my bow all that shit <laughs> i was so excited about the new equipment Getting it all set up. Everything was working great. I was distracted by the stupid Vikings game. And if anybody who knows me long enough or knows any of the Luganbills in my family, we are known for shit like this. But I'm pretty sure I set a brand new record for being a Luganbill in that I went bow hunting without a bow. Walked 0.6 miles through a swamp. All, 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 the, all the, the, the stuff that I did in preparation, all of it was on point, except I never grabbed my bow, and it never dawned on me as I'm going through brush 
that I didn't have a ball in my hands. How is that even possible? So now I'm like, should I just set the stand up? Should I see if this would have panned out and just see if I made the right decision in going in here and see if the spot is a good deer spot and blah, 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 blah. And I thought about it for a little bit and then I went, nope. I do not want to know because just my luck, there will be a giant. A giant will step out. He'll wander around. He'll meander in front of me, back and forth, lay down, stand up, stretch, you know, whatever. Just take, he'll probably be in front of me for a half hour, offer me all sorts of beautiful, wonderful shot opportunities, and I won't have anything to do. And, and it'll just be stuck in the back of my mind, like, what could have been? But I'm an idiot and didn't bring freaking bow in a bow hunt. So I'm like, nope, just take the sticks off, repack everything up, strap everything back down. I'm like, well, I'm tearing off back. So I'm just going to hunt somewhere closer to the car, the truck. I won't, you know, I probably won't see anything, but I'll, you know, I should still have some hunting time left. So that's what I did. I went in there. Once I kind of saw where I, a couple trails that I'm like, mm, maybe, not really for this wind, but maybe. And then, uh, so I dropped my pack, ran back to the truck, got my bow, went back out there. And by the time I got set up, I had about mm, 50 minutes of hunting light. So got in there, let the woods settle down, and then, yeah, didn't see anything. So that was fun. Um, yeah, so I don't, my, my hot tip is, um, don't forget shit. <laughs> Unbelievable. <sighs> so, yeah, I had a few Snapchat messages because, of course, I was, like, vlogging the whole thing, my whole trip as I'm going out there, setting up this, you know, trying to build some excitement and how this is going to go. And, and then it, uh, turned out like that so pretty good comedy you know on an unintentional comedy i hope you all were amused if you're not following me on snapchat go find me just dale luganbill on snapchat um as you can see sometimes it's hilarious and i'm not meaning to be hilarious <sighs> on on freaking real so there's my my recap <sighs> just that one's gonna burn for a little bit that one's gonna burn for a little bit uh, so for my rant, let's see. I was looking on the old interwebs again. Facebook is all a buzz, and people are going through their trail camp pictures. And of course, someone shows pictures of wolves. Well, my season is wrecked, or whatever the fuck he said. And, and my initial thought is like, the wolves are anything new? Now everybody knows. Listen to this podcast. I'm all for wolf hunt. I think they should be managed. For, I don't. How Minnesota is the one state that doesn't have one, a hunting season, when we have by far the most wolves in the lower 48 than anybody else. And and by far, I mean, Minnesota has more than all of the western states combined. Combined. And we have like twice as many, if not more, than Wisconsin does. So we have wolves and we have always had wolves even when they were extirpated from the rest of the lower 48, northern Minnesota always had wolves. So this isn't anything new. Now, they might be expanding into some other areas. But my thought is, my rant is, okay, well, maybe you can't hunt that permanent stand site this year. If you're getting nothing but wolf pictures on your trail cam, you're going to have to hunt a little smarter. You might actually have to put some effort into your hunt this year. 
you know, I don't know how much land you have access to if you are, you're on private land. But what I do know in northern Minnesota is there is a shit ton of public land. And if you do your homework, I guarantee you you can find some spots that are nowhere near anybody else. Like there is so much public land up north and very low population density of humans. So you should be able to find something. The other thing I, I thought of is like, well, if you have wolves, you have deer. Because they're not just, the wolves aren't going to hang out someplace where there's no deer. So it's going to move through. And so I pulled up this article. I started, I was curious. I was like, okay, well, I want to see what the effects of wolves have on, on deer movement. And, of course, at, not a surprise, they do have an effect, and they kind of move deer around. But if you have quality deer habitat, they will come back around. And so in this article, the, the author, they had land just across the border in Canada and Ontario. And there was wolves there when they got there, and they were kind of excited about it. Like, oh, we wanted a place that was wild enough to have wolves. Well, this is this was similar to what this other guy was talking about online, where suddenly they stopped seeing deer. And they were getting a bunch of wolf picks and stuff like that. And I think on that year, they didn't they didn't kill any they didn't kill any deer that year. Um, but they stuck to their plan, they, their QDM, their quality deer management, you know, and their food plots that they had and the way they were managing their woods. And they had their little refuge spot where they didn't go in and they didn't hunt. And so they have all these things. They're being really smart about their deer management. And the following year, once the wolves moved on from that area, they started, not only did deer move back in, but some of the same deer as they started seeing bucks that they had pictures of years previous moved back into that area. So it's not like the wolves are not eating everything, but they are going to move them around as they hunt. You know, the pressure is going to move these deer around. And sure, you can stick it out and wait, but it might end up being one of those seasons like they had where they didn't shoot a deer. Or you could go do some work, go scout out some areas, look for fresh deer sign, find a spot that doesn't that has more deer sign than wolf sign, and you're gonna actually have to hunt. You know, it's not that different from waterfall people. You know, duck hunters will bitch and moan, uh, well, pretty much about everything. But some of the guys that you know have hunted the same blind every time they hunt. It's private land. They got a permanent blind set up there, and then some. You know, the birds are either there or they're not. And if they're not, it's some big crime has been committed. Some big injustice happened. Well, this is where we always hunt. We always see ducks here. Blah, blah, blah. Dude, these are wild animals. Things change. Crops change. We're in a drought this year. All sorts of factors come into play. You're not guaranteed anything. You may have sunk a shit ton of money into hunting land. You may sh put a ton of effort in it, and then wolves come in. Again, I need to reiterate, I am all on board with managing wolves. I do not think that we should be hunting them to extinction, which we can. We, we suck at that. Or extirpation from an area. Like some wolves on the landscape is a good thing. That's how this land ha has always been. It's how it operates. I'm totally fine with that. But if you're experiencing more wolves on your property and you're seeing less and less deer, you can bitch about it all you want, but you're not changing the fact. And even if you went out there and you shot six wolves, it's not like those deer are going to immediately filter back in. 
So your best bet is to just now, you're going to have to rely on actual hunting skill instead of just doing the same old, same old, sitting in the same stand as you did every year. There might, and I get it. That's tradition. Traditions are great. They're fun. They're rewarding. They're fulfilling. I love it. I love the, the, the idea of deer camp and hanging out with friends and family. All of it is awesome. But if, if that's what you're going up there for, great. Have a good time. Just don't worry about it. Maybe you'll get to see a wolf on the stand. I think that would be pretty cool, personally. Uh, they're awesome creatures. I think not very many people get to lay eyes on a wolf in the wild. Like We may have a lot of them here in Minnesota, but you still just don't see them that often. You might get them on your trail cam, but with your own eyes, pretty rare. So if I was in a stand and I saw a wolf, I'd actually be pretty pumped up. So you can take it as that. Have fun with friends and family. Take that whole tradition in. Maybe see wolf. That'd be pretty cool. But if you're not, but if you're hell bent on punching that tag, well, if your land seems to have more wolves on it than deer, and you really want to punch a tag, you're gonna have to hunt. Start looking now. Make plans. Hunt somewhere else. Maybe somebody else has land up there. Maybe you can, you know, work out a deal. Hey, I got wolves in my property and hardly any deer. What do you got? You got, oh, we don't really have any wolves. Now. We're getting good deer pictures. Hey, would you, could I hunt with you guys this year? And then you can come hunt my land sometime. You know, if the wolves move over there and you're in the same situation, you're welcome to come and hunt mine if I got deer. So work out something like that. Point is, you're going to have to put on a little bit of effort this year. And that's just what it is. Instead of being lazy hunters, which I am finding more and more and more in pretty much all aspects of the outdoors, whether it's fishing or hunting, trapping, anything. Well, not so much trapping. Trappers usually have to put in a lot of work, so they're used to it. And that's like a dwindling, dying hobby anyways. But So that's that's what I got for you. Um, you know, you got to roll with these punchers, whether it's weather and droughts, um, development you know things change everything moves you got to be able to bob and weave and adjust with it or or don't and then piss them on about it on the internet i guess there's always the internet <laughs> so yeah that that's that anyways thank you very much for uh listening i appreciate it follow me on all the social medias full scale outdoors facebook instagram all that mark it on your calendars Coming up at the end of the month, the last weekend of the month, the virtual ice show, the annual virtual ice show. It's going to be a ton of fun. Oh, also, um, Tuesday, when you, today, you're going to listen to I'm recording this on a Monday, but uh, Monday the 18th. Tuesday the 19th, also on SmackDown Outdoors Podcast. Uh, I am joining Doug again, and there will be a bunch of other people for an ice fishing roundtable. So we did this last year, and it was awesome as well. So have your questions lined up. This, have a notebook and a pencil ready and a pen, whatever. This is, uh, I usually just end up sitting there and listening to everybody else that knows a shit ton more about ice fishing than I do. <laughs> I just get a front row seat to it. Uh, but you get a virtual front row seat to it. So check out SmackDown Outdoors podcast tomorrow, uh, or today as you're listening to this, the uh, 19th. Um, virtual, well, not virtual. It's just, it's it's his usual weekly live, Facebook Live or YouTube Live. It's available on both platforms. Six o'clock 
ice fishing round table. It's going to be a really good time. All right, with that, I'll leave you with this. Whatever your passion, pursue it full scale. <laughs>